Philo Media Podcast. Here we are again. Episode All right. 12. Episode 17. 64. I tricked you. You don't know what episode it is now. Episode 5. Episode 27. Um, how you feeling today, Ian? I don't feel great. That's neither do I. That's not, you know. You, you, you get older and you're you're playing like you're 30. That sounds so stupid, but you're drinking like you're 30 and partying like you're 30 while you play D&D with your friends. And then you wake up on the couch wondering, oh, why does my back hurt? What time is it? Oh, my God, it's 530. I'm going upstairs. Why did I make the choices I made? All right. And I go upstairs, fall asleep in my bed, startle awake later going, ah, what time is it? It's eight thirty or nine. I'm getting up now. Yeah, and yeah. just force yourself awake, and I'm feeling uh, ruined. If you can't tell, my voice <laughs> is all like it's like I'm sick, but I'm not sick. It's just I'm just old. Yeah, I dude, I don't know what it is lately, but. Um, like if I fall asleep, I sleep super deep. My I'll be snoring with my mouth open, but then I'll just drool. Like that's not a normal thing, but the last few times and I have a beard, so it's like ah, I wake up, I'm like no, ah, oh, that's amazing. Why? Yeah, it's horrible. That's funny. Um, I I think you would agree with me that there's this weird thing that happens in D and D where you kind of get this weird agitated energy, so you have to constantly like munch on something or drink oh, yeah. something uh, oh yeah it's it's and i don't since we haven't really got to do it in person i don't know if the energy is the same if you're getting to do in-person game i think it is and because we're about to find out yeah we are we're gonna have a little meeting of the the council of players yeah the group person. that we well some of them the dedicated ones oh, <laughs> oh shots fired buddy. Shots fired. Oh, um, but yeah, the uh, FYI listeners, I will probably record just a chunk of us all hanging out so you can hear what it sounds like in our games. And one day we'll probably upload it for something. Who knows? Yeah, we'll, we'll probably do little like bonus actual play clips. Yeah, and you just um, hear I us do, playing. Yeah, I want to do some shorts of... Uh, our game too, where where it's just like oh, cool just like little clips of it from different. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. you could pull yeah. such. I mean, I've got. You could even just start out. You could even use the one clip I have as like mm-hmm. a little preview. Right. The yeah. one with. That's probably will be the first one. That's Don't like the, say too much. Oh, it's so great. Right. But I, I, thought I we think. Were gonna, I mean, I thought it was that one. No, it's, dude, it's that one. <laughs> I think. Um, Snacks are always a big part of it. Like, oh, you know, for sure, yeah, snacks. So I would assume it's kind of a, it's kind of like watching a movie, especially in the theater. Which, if you don't know, kids, theaters were these places where you would go and you'd watch a movie on a big screen instead of a small one. Hey, um, I think I should drop my sound a little bit on this because I'm. You know what? I'm just going to warn you that you might have to mix mine a little lower. 
Oh, that's fine. I, that's not that's not hard to do. I'm not worried about it. I can I can play with all the volume. I can make you sound like a robot. I could have oh, your whole thing that. be backwards. I don't like that either. Just I could just, flip your wave upside down. I'm just a I little hot. So I have the power. Well, it's also probably it sounds hot. Does it sound hot in your headphones or is it the signal? No, I have no active monitoring on. Like I can't hear myself. Oh, okay. We're just, we're just talking shop right now, listeners. I yeah, know it's fun. Super, a, super enjoyable to it's listen like 40 to. seconds of weird. I'm sorry. 40 seconds and listen time is like two hours. Let's back to the D&D. Um, but I think, yeah, there's something about how it engages your brain where you want to snack or you want to chew on something. It's a weird, it's not negative, but it's kind of this agitation. Like you get a little, you know, overstimulated. Well, and I think that um, there's like when you have a good session of D&D, um, it leaves you with an energy when it's done that you yeah. you can't just be like, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. It's like maybe if you're you playing until like the point of like falling asleep, which some of our players do because they're on the East Coast. But for me, when we're done, like even if I don't play video games with you guys, like I'm up for at least another hour and a half just chilling out because i need that energy to kind of dissipate that just that weird excited fun kind of thing because like we were all wanting to like continue last time but we knew it was a good stopping point yeah yeah for sure um yeah i think it's kind of like again we talk about this a lot this wasn't really the plan but uh ian and i both being musicians it's similar to like if you play a gig you're not just going to, like, break your stuff down and go to home and go to sleep. Most that of would time. be so like hard. You need, some, you need some time to watch TV or hang out with your bandmates or whatever. Oh, yeah. And at least, like, t- it's, like, two hours, man. Yeah. Which is what makes that whole experience brutal sometimes because you're up till 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Yep. And, you know, knowing my lifestyle, I'm usually up if it was a weekday and I'm staying up like Friday night, if I'm up till four or five, I'm almost up for 24 hours. Yep. Yep. It's good times. Um, so yeah, I'll have snacks, but don't drink too much kids. Yeah. And don't. only, only drink if you're the legal age. We, we don't recommend underage drinking on this podcast. I don't, if, I mean, just don't tell us. All right. Just leave us out of it. Yeah. Leave us out of your choices. We're not, so, we're not trying to influence you like that. Nope. Okay, um, so what are we talking about today? Uh, you told me, like, right before we did this, <laughs> and you already know that, like, I don't remember. You don't remember. You failed. No gold star for you. It's okay. So, um, what we're going to talk about first is Dan Harmon's story stir- story circle. His oh, story yeah. circle. Story circle. For those of you that don't words. know Dan Harmon... He is involved in a lot of things, and I believe most people will know his work from Rick and Morty. Or Community. You kind of have Community the two. Community is also yeah. obviously big, yeah. but yeah. I think a huge thing of Rick and Morty now. Oh, definitely now, for sure. But you also have, he has a podcast called Harmontown, and there's like which Harman is really Quest. good. And Harmon Quest, where they actually do, I think they play Pathfinder. Um, not D and D, but yeah, it's, it's it's very comedy esque. Yeah, um, it's very it's, theater it's of the mind, but yeah. they like animate it. It's pretty fun if you've never like 
watched an actual play and you kind of want to just get a real your feet wet it's a good one to just check out it's fun it's short it's entertaining for sure yeah um so he is a writer by trade so that's kind of where you know like he's one of the co-creators uh and showrunners for rick and morty he was the creator of community um and he we talked st- talked last week about the hero's journey and so his story stir- i can't say circle today his story, story circle. circle story circle let's get my lips moving um is a is a more basic version of that a more manageable version so this one only has eight points as opposed to the the hero's journey usually has 17 so you usually get through you're like i'm gonna learn this i'm gonna use it and you get halfway through and you're like i've made a mistake i don't i don't even know who i am anymore 17 17 so i figured we would talk about it just go through the points really quick um and then kind of hypothesize okay well how could you use this like in in play um usually you'll see a diagram which i will link in the doobly-doo ian's favorite word besides adulting when when you stop uh yeah doobly-doo that that that's a val like first of all i've given up on language okay (laughs) eric just knows that i hate that one word what adulting yeah i hate it it's the worst word in the world to me i'd rather hear moist a thousand times i thought you liked moist now sure it's great no, I just... <laughs> uh, but so, doobly do i think that's a fantastic word i love that it's it's good uh, it sounds like just gibberish that somebody right. wrote in there that's, on the fly. That's what I love about it, that it actually, yeah. there is something now in the world called a doobly-doo. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah. into that. That is great. With yeah. uh, that being said, Eric will link the story circle graphic that is Dan Harmon's in the doobly-doo. In the doobly-doo. And, and apparently, um, he first wrote about this in Wired uh, in October of 2011. So I I haven't actually read the article, but I'm going to go search for it. So when I do, I will let everyone know. Um, imagine, if you will, dear listener, um, a circle, and you're going to divide it into eight pieces, right? So cross, you know, cut it in half, cut it into quarters, and then cut it into eighths, essentially. Um, and each little each little spoke on this wheel is going to be one of these points. Um, so the place that you start from the very beginning point point number one is your character is in a zone of comfort they're in a familiar place i mean the classic example is luke skywalker is on his farm right he's somewhere that he knows he's at he's at home um and then but they want something they have a desire to for something to change we'll just use uh i guess star wars because it's a classic example and it follows the hero's journey like the letter well yeah it's yeah it's easy to follow the hero's journey and the story circle with something that's very very common like that like very very known i should say and if you haven't seen episode four uh star wars the original one that came out first in late 70s what are you doing with your life go watch it you don't have to love it but it's a cultural it's part of the culture go watch it um could i could i stop you real quick no, and you can't. have Go a ahead. small thing about this star, this watching Star Wars thing, because this will be fun. Uh, so I went to a wedding 
a little while ago, like a few days ago, I think. Right. I don't remember how long ago it was now. It's a week ago. Mm -hmm. What day is it? Saturday, right? It is Saturday. It, all was, day. it was almost seven days ago. And I got to see just a handful of like very old high school friends. And they hadn't seen me a while in a long time. And they saw some of my tattoos. And they were like, oh, what is that? And I was pointing out what each one was. And I have a non-canon gray Jedi tattoo. Mm -hmm. And when he heard Jedi, he's like, I've never seen Star Wars before. And I go, what do you mean? You've never seen Star Wars before? And he goes, I've never seen any Star Wars movie that's ever been out. He's like, I've never seen any Harry Potter. I've never seen any any stuff like that i've never seen any of it so i don't know and i go so you don't know like who luke skywalker and he goes i know the name but i don't know what he is like i don't know anything about him other than he's an acquaintance rather that, than a friend but that's my point is even people that have never seen star wars still know the names know the name. darth yeah. vader yeah. and luke skywalker right. yoda yeah. probably yeah. chewbacca uh, Han Solo, Princess Leia. That's probably in my book where the common things will end. Well, uh, I mean, even things like use the Force. That's right. like well, that's a in, yeah, okay, yeah, for that's sure. In the nomenclature, yeah. so not just characters, but concepts like what the Force is. Everyone kind of knows intuitively what you mean, even if you haven't seen the. That's true. The shows, but you know, that was so. a. That's a funny moment when you're like... That is funny. You meet somebody that you've known forever, and they're like, I've never seen those ever. And I go, yeah, man, well, I mean, if you don't, that's cool, but you should watch it one day just because they're fun, man. Like, it's a fun time. It's a good, right. good thing. I mean, it's... I mean, I don't... I really don't care if, if you watch it, but I think it's part of the culture. I mean, Lucas's original intention was to make a mythology for the modern age, and he kind of... It kind of worked, he kind of did because it went beyond just the franchised movies. It's kind of we use words from that universe in everyday language yeah, to yeah. talk about things, you know. So it's important to culture, and maybe that you don't care. That's totally fine. Your your life is yours to live, but right. watch it. It's Do good. It. It's fun. I mean, and so what's part two? So we have part one of the story circle. What's number two? Oh, I already said two. Well, then what's number That's, three? Uh, so part two is uh, number two is they want something. Oh, I thought that was so they have part some. Of no, no, no. That's that's okay. these all. It's kind of like a the story circle itself is almost like a little story. So the way it's phrased, kind of one part leads into the next. So um, number three is they enter an unfamiliar situation. So Luke decides to leave with Obi Wan, um, and go out into space. And to finally, I think he, he wants to be a pilot um, at first, and then he decides to become a Jedi. You know, and there's more details. We're very broad stroking it. Oh, they're huge broad right strokes. Now. Yeah. Um, number four is they adapt to it, so they get acclimated to this new situation. Um, and here's where you have to do a little interpretation with Star Wars specifically is they get what they want so i would say that's kind of um kind of the end of episode four um they kind of win the day he does start using the force but they pay a heavy price for it so it's hard to think about okay well what does luke really pay in the first movie episode four what's he lose 
Yeah, what does he lose? I would say he loses his mentor. Right, he, he loses, loses Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Right, That's sure. kind of the heavy price that allows them to blow up the Death Star and, and escape and all that. Absolutely. That kind of um, and that's uh, paying a heavy price is number six. Number seven is they return to their familiar situation. Um, and then number eight is uh, having changed. So they kind of come back. And that's a classic hero's journeys. The hero returns to, um, you know, the known world or the zone of comfort, and they have some kind of boon for the village or for humanity. There's, they've restored something. Neo is a classic example. God, from I the, love uh, it. Yeah, from the Matrix movies, which are also really good and highly recommended if you haven't seen them. There's a new oh. one coming out pretty soon, too. In like two months or three months or something, I can't. I'm so. I think excited. it's November. I thought it was it's December. Like a month and a half. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Because there's November, some other big ones coming out in December. Is it too. November Dune? No, Dune is October. October. Sure. That's right. I think so. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So big movies coming out. Dune's another one. Once the movie comes out, we should talk about it. There's a really cool RPG uh, for Dune that I want to play. Want to try? No. Looks really sweet. Yes. No. So that's basically it. Your character's in a zone of com- uh, comfort. They want something. So that wanting motivates them to enter an unfamiliar situation. Um, entering the unfamiliar situation normally is known as the call to adventure. Um, script writers use it a lot. Or the inciting incident. Something happens that totally changes the trajectory of the character's life or... Um, direction that they're going. Yeah. Um, they adapt to it. They get what they want, but they pay a heavy price for it. Then they return to the familiar situation having changed. So pretty simple in, in terms uh, of, you know, talking about it. So how would we use this in play? So as DMs, um, Ian, what do you think? What could we use... Uh, the story circle to how because I don't think you can just template it, throw it into your game, and it's going to work because you have the PCs who are going to mess your plans up. So you're it's probably going to be more like, oh, this is a pattern I can use to um, maybe get out of certain situations or get unstuck. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think you could you could use the story circle to start framing an adventure for your campaign. Now, Mm -hmm. it would only be a structure for the story uh, because you never know what the players are going to do. Right. So... One thing I'll add, too, is if you're doing a total sandbox campaign where you're not really there's not an overall arc um you know there's no railroading at all this might not work as well you or you might have to wait for them to like you know oh they picked up on these clues and they're going to go to this dungeon and then you can start piecing together your adventure right so i mean just that's what i mean like this could give you just for planning sake you could start the idea of what is going to happen. And like we've right. talked about, it could a- allow you even for a one shot or an adventure, it can allow you to create that dynamic world 
where you've set up this kind of plot uh, and it's up to the characters to really follow through with it because this stuff still might happen regardless. Like this villain might still do this thing or I'm not sure. I mean, there's so many ideas behind that. Right, right. But One thing be, that jumps out to go ahead. I'm no, sorry. No, go, I was just gonna say that it's it would it's just a good way to frame, right? And with simple procedures like that, you could you could create a, a campaign, or you could create just a one shot, because uh, it gives you with the story circle, it gives you scale. You can scale it to however big or small you want the thing to be. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I like about it is that it's player facing in terms of it's all about the characters and what they go through, not necessarily the world or the milieu or any of that kind of stuff that the DM is going to be thinking about. So, you know, we tend to start, you know, the cliche starting of an adventure, whether it's a one shot or a campaign as the player starting a tavern. Right, you meet in a tavern, or you start there, and then something goes wrong. So right there, you can, you know, the tavern is kind of emblematic of the zone of comfort in game. Absolutely. So right there, you're like, oh, and then number two, PCs wanting something. Well, that's your kind of t-biffs, your traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. What do the characters want? What are their goals? It doesn't even have to do anything with your, um, uh, with your campaign necessarily, but if you're thinking about it if you're being aware you can incorporate those things because that's what's going to motivate the pcs or the players to get their pcs invested and in whatever um whatever the flavor uh, of the week is for your for your campaign and so i feel like that's a great way you know again this is kind of talking about character whether it's a character in fiction or on your table um, getting them motivated to enter into something unfamiliar or dangerous, you know? Yeah. Um, I've definitely had players where I tried to offer them, like, ooh, here's an adventure hook, and they're like, nope. What about this one? No, I don't want it. I'm just going to move right past that. Uh, okay. Um, we'll just have a peaceful time. It'll be fine. Yep. So it's, Sarah, Man, it's <laughs> the more players I get to play with, it's so fascinating to see how people play differently. Right. Like some, like one of our friends, the person who does our music, uh, mm -hmm. Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. yeah. He plays a wizard in our main campaign we play. And he does some of like lately he's been going crazy. And he'll do things and like instantly my reaction as the player is like, holy shit. Ooh. What are the consequences <laughs> going to be of this thing now? Like, what are we going to have to deal with now? Right. Right. And so far, uh, my brain blows it out of proportion. And what we end up having to deal with is not that big a deal. Right. Uh, it usually works out pretty well for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, again, one of those super unique things that he's been doing lately is just being wild. Right. 
big dynamic spells. Yeah. He loves uh, polymorph a lot. Polymorph's and, huge, uh, yeah. The craziest one to me is we were on this. We're doing Storm King's Thunder. I think we talked about that. But we we're doing the Storm to. King's Thunder. Um, and we're on this iceberg trying to find oh, the... Oh, it's that uh, huge, basically, island of ice. Island of ice. I don't remember which giant tribe. I want to say it's the Storm Giants. But no, I don't. it was the Frost Giants. Frost Giants. Duh. Because they're on an iceberg. Huge iceberg. So Jerry's character decides to do... Uh, is it control weather. weather control weather and basically starts global warming like for the local area everything starts melting there's like 100 mile an hour winds it was insane yeah because instead of like trying to make it colder or anything he started to warm it up like crazy hot lots, like right there like hots. desert heat right in that area and we're in a it's a this is a tundra like we're in a it's crazy. We're not just and in the tundra. We're like in the ocean. Right. And it, <laughs> things went wild, man. A lot of people died. <laughs> not us. Not us, but everybody else dead. Yeah. It killed a lot of giants. Yeah. Just due to the situation. But, but even that, everything worked out pretty okay. But that's and again, I mean. a lot of that is dependent on who the DM is. Yeah. Absolutely. And how they, how they call what, the uh, the the effect of the spell is going to have, or the effect of the choices, which yeah. it seems you know there are rules, but a lot of it is you know again for fifth edition rulings, not rules. So the DM gets to interpret how this is going to the affect the environment, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's back to what we were saying. Players play differently. Yeah. So using the story circle can sometimes. I mean, it just, I guess it just depends on how you use it as a, because it's just a right. tool. It's just a tool. It's a, it's a good template. I feel like it, if you're, if you're feeling stuck as a DM, if you're, if your players have played you into a corner, let's say, not saying it's their fault, but they've made choices and you're like, I have no idea to get out of this. If you think about your session or your adventure, whatever you're playing through, um, as a story, like purely as a story rather than an RPG that you're playing through currently, you know, you can be like, okay, where am I? You know, if I apply the, um, the story circle to it, where are the characters in the circle? Like, where are they? What would the next step be? And you may not even use the next step, but it might get your mind like, oh, I could do this. I could have this happen, you know, shaking things up, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a good guide, I think. If you're if you're stuck, yeah. So um, the other one I think is number five and six. So they get what they want. So having you know, if the players are if there's something they want, especially with their T biffs or they have a goal, they do get it, but paying a heavy price for it. Like not just make not just like oh I got this thing and it was easy. Actually, um, making it have consequences you know i think is is a good you have to be delicate because you don't want to punish the players like oh okay you have that thing but now you've you've lost your sight you're blind you know uh. you don't want to just be like what are you doing like why are you, why do you hate my character right. um but i think that's a good you know that's a good there's always kind of a give and take and so you can use that as a, a spice to make things uh more interesting i think yeah you know? it could be 
And uh, returning to the familiar situation, a lot of players have like a home base, um, have a place to go back in between their adventures. And so that, you know, familiar situation, again, can be the tavern or the fort or the town where they frequent, where they go in between adventures. And having changed kind of takes care of itself because your characters are going to level up and grow. And a lot of times... Um, I feel like the leveling up will change the priorities of the player. So as your character becomes more powerful, you're going to be like, oh, I can do these other things now. So I don't lo- I don't, I no longer have this goal. I, I want to do other things. I have, I have different goals now, you know? So, yeah. Any other thoughts? With the story circle? Yeah. I mean, other than using it as a tool, um, I think in the future we should do one of those things where we make a funny thing with the story circle, like an improv oh. story. Yeah, that's that's coming up soon. Yeah, that's yeah. that's always fun. And it can, you know, being silly with a lot of these tools or utilizing these tools to just start creativity by being silly can lead you to other things that you're like, oh, that's actually kind of cool. I like that. Right. So never For don't sure. don't worry about taking things seriously all the time. Even if you're trying to make something serious, always remember your players are going to take everything you love and eat it and poop it back out and shit all over you. Or or light it on fire. Yeah. My last session, I. I uh, didn't want to waste time with thinking of a place, a name of a place, because uh, I just didn't, I didn't do it. And when the players wanted to know, I gave them what they wanted. What was it called? That one place. That, all, that was the name? That, that's, that was the name, all one word, that one place. It's very special. It's a good, very unique name. Well, people loved it, though. Yep. That's true. And usually you'll hear this a lot. Players love the dumb stuff. Right. If you come up with stuff on the fly, they usually will gravitate to that. Yeah. And it'll become, next thing you know, you'll say something dumb, and it'll become the theme for your campaign for a year. Mm -hmm. Because it was so enjoyable, this thing that was just random, like a red, a green, and a blue. That has... We, in my campaign, we all know what that is. And it's just stupid. It's I made it up. Like, literally, one of the players was like, do they have any money on them? And I was, I had not thought of that because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they have money on them. It's useless. So, but I was like, sure, they've got tokens on them. There's a red one, a green one, and a blue one. Right. For sure. Um yeah, it's the little things you don't consider, like the economy of frog people on a distant planet. Yeah, it's like, anyway, that's what I mean. Like, always be ready to be silly because you never know what creativity is going to, like, what's going to happen. It's true, for sure. I think also it shows you that players... And I'm definitely this way. Like, it's 
a character with a simple name and kind of maybe a striking feature is more memorable than something complex and in depth. Oh, yeah. You can build on top of simplicity, but players really will attach themselves. Like, the big one for me uh, is this NPC Minotaur uh, in my the campaign I run on Mondays. Um, who he was just like a prisoner that was like trying to break out of this prison the same time as the PCs. Yeah. And and he broke out and I was like, okay, his name's brick. And he instantly the, my party fell in love with him. It's just like, okay, well I came up with that on the spot, but it was very distinct and the players knew immediately what this character was, like what his deal was. It was just, it was with that one name and just kind of his mannerism just gruff and wanted to smash uh he, he is forever immortalized oh yeah I, rem- <laughs> I remember that session dude that yeah well that whole like prison escape that you did was awesome uh, yeah and that's gonna be i'm leading in right now to roll 20 sure um do it do you want to explain what that is for people who might not Roll20 is a virtual tabletop that we use to play our games. It was just the one that we, someone knew about it, so we jumped on and we're just like, okay, cool. This is the one we're going to do. So we just started learning Mm -hmm. it. And since we started learning it, we haven't really been like, we've, some of us have touched other VTTs, but this one is just, we just know it and we know it's limited and there's better ones for this or for that. Uh, we're just familiar with it, so. And well, at the one time, of the nice the nice things I'm going to interject really oh, quick yeah, yeah. is that you don't have to download anything onto your computer. You can just. It's also a downside, but you can also just go to the you go to the website and go and from that's, there. Yeah, that's it. it. Makes it a little easier. So anyways, um, please continue. And th- this is like the point I'm talking about right now. Is we were all still fairly unversed with how roll 20 worked like we were okay but there were still a lot of the stuffs that we use now that we're like super familiar with that you had just barely kind of figured out Mm -hmm. and you did this dungeon escape where you were able to all of the characters couldn't see because you can like assign it so the players can all see what all the players can see or you can assign it so whatever your token sees is what it can see. Mm-hmm. And Eric created this jail situation where none of the players could like see through the other players' eyes at all, and it was dark. So you, it was crazy to watch these players run around trying to find each other and escape from the guards and stuff like that that were just patrolling in the area and... Uh, it was also funny because I ended up playing a character because they didn't show up or they had to leave for a second. But since I'm an NPC in that campaign, I know a lot about what's going on. So I actually knew something about the jail that the other players didn't know. So it was funny to watch them do this huge thing that was so unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. So dynamic lighting is a big, uh, really cool feature. It also makes me really upset because of how it works. But right. um, it basically allows you to block 
your PC's vision, so they can't see everything. So if they're in a dungeon and they're going through a hallway, they can't see beyond the wall of that hallway. They don't know even what the room looks like. They have to go through the door. So it's a little more playing on the... the um, the f- you're limiting the ability for the PCs and the players to metagame. They can't. Uh, and when you do that, so the the jail, uh, I basically homebrewed this kind of Alcatraz-like prison off the coast of Waterdeep because this was right after everything had kind of taken a left turn in the campaign, which was the plan, but it happened super early. Right, super early. Super early. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. So they all got imprisoned for crimes that they didn't commit, and they got, they got framed. And so this place is called the Grindyskay Atoll, and it's basically like death row. It's where they throw all the really bad criminals into who've offended the city-state, essentially, or done something against the city. So they are, all the players were in their own cell, and that's all they could see. And their choices dramatically changed. Like, usually you get all this coordination, but they couldn't see where anybody else was, and so the choices became way more conservative. It was really uh, eye-opening for me. I was like, wow. Like, they're even afraid to go down this hallway because they just don't know what's down there. Like, yeah, afraid to go down this nothing. one corridor. Yeah, probably nothing. So, um, that's a really cool thing about Roll20 is you can kind of manipulate the metagaming because in my opinion the metagaming is never going to go away and that's fine it's just the the bad metagaming or the one the metagaming that kind of ruins the the fun of of your session that's that's what i like tamping down on and the nice thing about dynamic lighting is sometimes i'll use it heavily but sometimes you don't need it depending upon the situation um, so if you're just out, like, you know, same campaign later on, they're out at the top of this hill and they're getting attacked. Um, I don't, you don't necessarily need a lot of dynamic lighting in that situation right. because you're not trying to hide anything or, or have anything be unknown um, that's on the map. So, and, well, I mean, even if you are trying to hide something like that, you just GM layer it and bring it out when you need to. Right, right. And that's another cool thing. And I know um, Fantasy Grounds has some of this. I'm not as familiar, though. I'd like to to try it, is uh, the different layers. So you have a layer where your players see, and that's called the token layer. And that's where everything they're going to interact will be on there. But you can also have stuff on the GM layer, which is like if you have monsters that are laying in wait, or you have you know tokens that you might use, or... Um, things that they, you know, maybe they're going to spring a trap, but you don't want them to know the trap is there. Um, you can hide all that stuff on, on that layer. You also have the map layer, so where you put your maps if you like to be super tactical, or if you want to just have art that they see, so it's theater of the mind, you can have it on there. And then you have the dynamic lighting layer, um, which is where all that magic happens. And audio is not a good place to really get into dynamic lighting but it's it's pretty cool and you can also have light sources and that kind of thing and now uh ian has walked away i don't i don't know what happened i'm right here and he's back he's back so i would say that's one of the good things about 
Roll20. So yeah, what else do I, we like? I like using Roll20. I like the... I like making tokens. Uh, as much as, like, the character Mancer is a bitch, it's also no. pretty, like, Explain easy to... That. The character Mancer is a... A guided way to create a character or to level a character up. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes you step by step based on what rule books you have mm-hmm. access to. And it's pretty good for the most part. It has hiccups where it gives you things it shouldn't. Sometimes uh, if you've ever, if you've modified anything on your sheet... Uh, and put stuff custom in there and then use the character mancer, it might erase that. Right. Um, so, I mean, it has quirks, but for just like building out characters to see what they look like at 10th level, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty easy and it's pretty quick. Right. Right. Uh, um, for me, the character mancer, I always recommend against it because you the the people who use it consistently never learn how to make a character and that's a big they're always relying on the character mancer to do the things and so they never really get an understanding of oh here's how if i need to build a character quickly here's what i do whether it's on the computer or on pen and paper or whatever you're doing all right and um, learning to make one you start to understand character abilities a little bit more right and also you just Especially if you want to be a DM, it's good to know, have that process, what the formula is for building a character. Like, you don't necessarily even have to follow the steps as they talk about in the PHB, uh, but it's good to know just how to do that. Um, so, I really like the user interface for Roll20. I think it's pretty, the tools they have, and the once you get used to the shortcuts, it's very, uh, the workflow is very quick. Um, while DMing and prepping. So I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, That's good. And I really like the pinging. I feel like that's one of the best. It's very simple. Yeah. But everybody can kind of point and have a little ping happen so you can point at things. Or the little um, freehand drawing to, like, do simple Freehand drawing. Yeah. A lot of those tools are really nice because you have to find ways around, like, playing non-locally with other people and still still uh, have tools for when words fail you. And let's be honest, if you're playing on a Friday night and you're inebriated, your words, words aren't going to be the best. Words fail all the time. Oh, man. <laughs> so when hearing so. our friends communicate with each other, sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? What, what are you even saying? What are you right trying now? to say right now? And then we find <laughs> out, oh, they weren't listening to the last 15 minutes. So what they're trying to say doesn't even, it doesn't make sense because they doesn't, don't know what's happening. Apply. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple other ones. This one Ian actually discovered, and it was like sometimes a li- you'll find out a little feature of Roll20 and you don't realize. Like it changes your world. You're like, what? Uh, but you can actually split your party onto different maps. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a great By dragging and dropping their icon. That's very helpful and very quick. Um, and one of my, again, some of these are small, but just what we, this is just the things we like about uh, the VTT is uh, multi-sided tokens. So you can actually have a token if you want to, like, make a uh, hero-forged token because you can custom make tokens for whatever character you create, which we should probably talk about hero-forged at some point, too. 
Oh, that's I love Hero Forge. Yeah, that's great. And I've, there's uh, there's other companies that do the same thing, and I've tried them out. And there's a lot of really cool ones that have cool features. Right. Right. I just Hero Forge is what I first tried and kind of like got to know. Again, just like with Roll right. Twenty, it's not about better or anything. It's just I know this one. And it's kind of Roll Twenty and Hero Forged. We got to use them as COVID went along, and they've really expanded and added a bunch of cool features. So, like, especially Hero Forge has way more features than it did back at the beginning of 2020 when I started using it. It was oh, yeah. way, way more condensed and and not user friendly. And it's even the the user interface if you go from your phone is amazing. Oh, for it's sure, crazy good. And so, the, remember the original Hero Forge didn't let you uh color them right no coloring so now you can fully color them i think too they know that a lot of people are just going to use them digitally rather than print them off right that i get this feeling from it so you could make uh for instance my character the my current character in the friday campaign the storm king's thunder is half orc half drow her name is switch so I made just a character portrait token of just her. Here's my character. And then I made another one for when she's in battle, just for flavor. I can switch the token, and then she's, like, down casting Eldritch Blast and 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 being more combative, so to speak. So Sure. And you can make tons. Like, if you have a monster that you want to – it has tons of different forms. You can have as many multi-sides as you want. Yeah, it's so fun. It's really cool. I yeah. – I've all of my characters have had different forms. The Friday night one that Eric's talking about, Switch. I have a an Asimar sorcerer warlock. I've probably talked about him before. Um, I think we but, did a little bit, yeah. Yeah, but he has his his t- token has four sides. <laughs> oh, nice! You have four now. Yeah, well, because it's That's both cool. of their faces, one with the mask and one without, and then it's. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, long distance shot with the mask and a long distance shot without. Nice. Um, so again, there are some other good ones. A lot of people uh, sing the praises of Foundry. Yeah, Foundry is another is the one VTT. I hear about. And apparently, it's got really good stuff if you want animated maps and things like that. But what I've discovered, if you're like right now, Ian and I are looking at each other via Zoom and we're recording. But if you have your VTT up and you have Zoom and then you're trying to do a bunch of animated stuff, because we both use animated tokens and things like that, but it starts to really crunch your CPU power quite heavily. So you better have a good good computational power well, it has. I mean, sometimes settings. it doesn't even matter if you do. If you're, all of your players you're playing with, if some of them just have real generic computers you don't want to overload them because their yeah. their experience is going to suffer so you try to keep it pretty because uh, i mean we have there's animated tokens and stuff in uh in roll 20 and we've used yeah, those yeah. and it's fun for the players but i learned and i'm sure eric already knew this if you put too many on there it bogs the game down for your players if there's if their internet slows down or anything that can right. do that and mine might be running smooth but theirs might not because of what their connection is or what their processor is. Right. And because Roll20 is a browser-based VTT, 
Um, especially if you're using Chrome, uh, your CPU can get super bogged down as the DM. So if you have dynamic lighting and you have a bunch of animated tokens and you're running music, it can start to really cast a heavy load. That's right. Onto the thing. So that's another thing is just kind of balancing it out. One thing I, a few things I don't like about Roll20 is the fact that they give you these features and then they're like, oh, if it's not working, don't use it. It's like, what? You made this. You made me want to use it. Now you're telling me not to. So. Yeah, I remember when we first start, like, again, when you first start doing something, you sort of start DMing or you first start doing Roll20, the best thing to do is be okay with sucking because you are going to suck at it. It sucks. And right. you just have to learn it. I remember our first months using Roll20 was we were like inputting our hit points into the token thing every time we'd switch oh it took so long well we didn't even know how to this is why i learned it was like we had to keep re-inputting all the info on the tokens every time we'd switch a map yeah it was a nightmare it'd take like 10 minutes every time we switched and then we i discovered oh you can actually have your token be attached to a page so it, you, if you change the hit points on the token, it changes on the page. doesn't matter what map you're on. Yeah. It's always consistent. And that was a huge revelation. Again, the thing is, if you learn that way, you never forget how to do those things. Right. Like you know them forever. So you're going to suck, but that sucking will actually make you stronger. It'll make you more buff, D&D speak, speaking-wise. D&D. Um, another thing, this is a Chrome specific thing. And another thing that really chaps my hide, um, is if you double click on the chat, so there's different, <laughs> like there's chat. the chat and there's like the compendium. And if you're a DM, you have the art tab on the right side, but the chat window, if you double click it, it pops out. So it's like it's own a window, new window. Yeah. and you can't make it go away. Like you can't have the chat be back where it was and it's, you have to, you have reload. to reload your page and it's a nightmare. It's horrible. So just be prepared if you're starting out and you double click that chat, just hit reload. Reload. Just hit reload. You already yeah. you fucked it up. Just undo yeah. it. No way to I mean, hopefully they'll fix that, but they haven't in a year. It's been that way. It's been longer than a year at this point, dude. Well they didn't that didn't used to happen. And then they did an update. I think it was a Chrome update, but they there was some one of the either Roll Twenty or Chrome updated and ever since that that that's been a bug the way those two interact. Because it's actually a feature if you want to, you double-click the chat window, it pops up if you want to have it separate. Some DMs like it. But you're able, you're supposed to be able to put it back. But it's a, it's a glitch right now. And here's Fuck. the other thing. Here's another really annoying thing for you, you uh, aspiring DMs. You're going to find that when you're prepping and you're playing, you're going to have a bunch of character sheets out on the VTT. And if you reload your page, guess oh, what happens to all those character sheets? They all get they go back. They all go away. They all go away. So there's ways you you start to learn how to to work with it and and that kind of thing. Um, another thing I don't know, don't like it's consistent now. I don't know what happened, um, but logging in has been a nightmare. Like I can't log in from the main page. Oh, see, I have to go to the to market. Me. I have to go to the market. Um, say I want to purchase a book and then log in from there and it's fine. It's so dumb. That's really and I've weird. looked in the forums and other people have complained about it for a long time. 
And when I click, when I try to log in, I put my stuff in, and then just a little bit of text right up in the left-hand corner says "forbidden." That's all it says. Just oh, like weird. What? <laughs> yeah, and I've done. You know, people, you're probably thinking, "Oh, you gotta clear your cookies, restart the thing, make sure you have the latest updates." Yeah, I, I've done all of it. I've done all those things. Yeah, I love. I Doesn't love work. Oh, this is what you need to do. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Look, yes. I ain't no rookie. Right. I've watched IT crowd, okay? Look, this is, I've been IT support, okay? This is not a game. <laughs> it's not a drill for me. I know if I'm asking for help, it's because I've exhausted all of the things I know how to do. Right. Look, you think d d is a game? You think this is a game? We ain't playing. Game? Baby, don't play. Nobody. Um, yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Uh, any other things? Any, any things you like or dislike about Roll20? Dislike? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like that they want to charge me money for everything. Yeah, um, probably not now, but uh, you can buy all the compendiums for like, so you can buy all the books on Roll20, just like D&D Beyond, but D&D Beyond is a little less useful depending upon like what VTT you're using, what virtual tabletop. But you can use all the stuff um, in Roll20 that you purchase. But you have to buy everything. Yeah. I think so that... I've Go ahead. I think D&D Beyond is really cool if, like, you're in person and everyone just kind of has, like, an iPad or a laptop with right. them. Rather than having to use paper and pencil, you can have this really cool character sheet and these really cool digital dice if you want right and it right. just keeps things simple but some people obviously love the tactile like real i mean i have like i, I showed you i have six you got those D6, new dice yeah, yeah. six d6 right here that i'm literally been like messing with this whole time yeah um because i do so, like real dice as well yeah i have a i always have a dice tray and if you're a dm and you're playing at somebody else's house like, it, it becomes a nightmare having to lug. If you have a bunch of the books, like, they're heavy. Yeah. So it becomes a huge thing. So for a pre-COVID world, D&D Beyond is great. But it's not owned by Wizards of the Coast. Neither is um, Roll20. And so you have all, all the separate VTTs in D&D Beyond. You have to buy the books every time. And that starts to get pretty frustrating. I mean, I have... Not currently because there's a new book out now, but I pretty much have all the books, and then I've had to purchase them again for Roll20. And then D&D Beyond wants me to buy them again, so I'm like, I'm not paying for these three times right now. I've, two is two is enough. So, But there are lots of cool tokens and, and stuff. There's a lot of cool free stuff. Maybe we should talk about that at some point, like the free resources. Like there's a bunch of cool... Um, cartographers out there that make oh, battle yeah. maps and tokens and art and there's a huge community of homebrew and even DM's Guild if you don't know what that is dmsguild.com I think um, is kind of the official homebrew branch of Wizards of the Coast and D&D where users can make more content for say Xanathar's Guide or Wild Beyond Witchlight, which is the new... That's the newest um, one. It just came yeah, out. Just just dropped a few days ago or like a week ago. Um, 
So there's a and there's a ton of free stuff on there. So there's there are free things, but a lot of times if you're prepping, you just need something quick, and you find it on Roll Twenty, you're like, fine, I'll pay five dollars. Yeah, and I'll I've fucking get this lots one of thing. Things like that. Yeah, yeah. So have I. So it can get expensive. Um, to get all the best features on Roll Twenty, you can look at this as a downside or upside, but you do have to subscribe monthly. It's the same cost oh, as like the Spotify. Yeah, yeah it's like six or seven bucks or something. It's nine. I think. Is it nine? I yeah, nine ninety nine. I think. Um, which isn't a lot, but if you're, you know, if you don't have a lot of income that can be a tax. So you can have one for free and you can make a table and you can start playing and they have the basic rules. Uh, the SRD rules are available to you so you can, you can get started. And, um, there are things like if you want to make your own maps, you can use incarnate, make your own maps, but it's just very time Oof. consuming. Incarnate very is time. so awesome, but it's it's really awesome. It's got a big curve to it, a big learning curve. And making maps just like anything else, like being good at it takes a long time and making a map takes a long time. And if you're yep. prepping and you only have so much time, you may not find that you have time to to spend on maps or spend on this. So a lot of it is about what do I have time to do, you know? And all that kind of stuff. Anything else you want to say about Roll Twenty? No, I think that I think that covers it about Roll Twenty. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, so a VTT, I would say the cool thing, especially with something like Roll Twenty, I think Fantasy Ground says a similar thing as the community. So if you don't have anybody to play with, they have. Um, forums and classifieds where you can actually advertise, hey, I'm a GM and I'm looking for players, or I'm a player and I'm looking for games. So it's a good way to connect you to games and, and try it out. I haven't done that um, because we have a group of friends that all play now. That wasn't always the case. But if you don't have anybody to play with, especially if you're in like a, a smaller town, or something like that. You just don't. Ha there's not a lot of people to connect to. This is a great way to do it from the comfort of your own home, as well. So I would say that's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we're going to close out with this. Uh, favorite homebrew rules. I mean, that's there's so many that I've really enjoyed. One of the ones I think that's really cool lately is the one that I kind of implemented with the called shot rule. Mm -hmm. How people can do called shots and you can make it crazy. Uh, but a called shot means you pick the number that you have to roll. Mm -hmm. So if you're like, oh, I want to do this, this, and this, and I have to roll a 10. So you roll, then D20, you just roll it. And if you hit the 10, then it happens. Right. But if if it doesn't, if you roll a different number... That's your attack roll, and we minus two, and then you can add your bonus. Mm, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. One of the ones that I like a lot is uh, what I call the bonus action exchange. So oh, yeah, that's a lot really of good. times, yeah, a lot of times players find they might want to do two bonus actions instead of like an action and a bonus action, and the rules are weird about it the way they go about it. Um, so for my campaigns, I say, look, just treat your normal action as if it you can divide it in two. So really, you could do three bonus actions per turn. So if you'd rather just do your bonus actions, because some, especially if you're a rogue or you're, um, 
like a uh, a sorcerer with some bonus action spells or things like that. There sometimes you may want to do a few small things and and not worry about doing a big thing. And players seem to really like that one a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, what other ones, Ian? Another homebrew rule, man. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, it's I like, have some more if you want me yeah, to go. You, please go because I, I honestly don't. I like some people don't like it, but I like using uh, crit fails and crit success on saving throws checks. I like that. Um, and just because you roll a critical success doesn't mean it's go like what's going to happen because uh, you rolled a 20. If you're like, I want to lift up the house and you roll a 20 on your strength tech, that doesn't mean that's going to happen. Right. I feel a little weird about this is actually a real rule, but this that you, what you said made me think of it is the um, like a critical uh, success always being a hit, I think is a little weird sometimes for me. Like it, there's certain certain things where it's like you're so much more powerful than a goblin, but he rolled a critical success and now he's he's hitting you or something like that. So right. Okay. All right. It's like there's no way, uh, or you know, uh, with critical, like if you cast a spell, um, and the person rolls a critical success on their saving throw, like nothing happens. Those kind of things feel a little cop outy to me. That's just me though. Right, right. Uh, one that we both have used um, and appreciate is we homebrewed the Warcaster feet. Oh, the feet, yeah. So Warcaster includes, um, if you look it up, it's got some things just so you're a little more flexible in combat as a wizard or a sorcerer or a magic user. But we made it so you don't get uh, disadvantage on spells when you're in melee. So if someone's adjacent to you, you um, you can still cast spells like normal. And I think for, at least in my campaign, I made a certain level requirement because the idea was you're so used to being in combat that somebody being in your face no longer affects you. It's not something that distracts you. You're kind of like Zen monk when it comes to casting spells, especially in stressful situations. Yeah. I so, I also like the that one, one that we employed in Conan where there was that level I don't remember is it twelve yes or thirteen or something I think, where it, I think it was twelve where it's every class gets like nothing it's stupid yeah. it's like the dumbest level and it's not an easy level to attain and it's, so it's also the first level of tier three I think yeah so we were bitching about it and uh, our DM was like well how about when you hit that that tier, you get to take a free feat. Except for we brought it up to him. He didn't suggest. We're like, look, this is dumb. Give us a free, give us a feat. Or and he something. said, okay. He said, okay. To his credit, he's like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, Just help me prove it. Hitting that level, you know, is a big milestone for the whole group. And getting a feat at that point was uh, pretty sweet. Well, as a player, that's kind of, if you're invested in your character, you're invested in the game, um, you're kind of looking at what you're going to get on the next level or how you're going to 
progress this character like ooh when I go to level 11 I'm going to pick this thing and I get this ooh, and I'm going to take these spells you know so you're right. thinking about it you're doing some research and then suddenly you get to tier 3 which is like ooh I'm on a I'm on a new tier of play sweet this is going to be awesome and you know as a sorcerer you get like one sorcery point and that's uh. it it's like here you go welcome to the club it's like screw you man <clears throat> yeah make this sexy Make this sexy. Um, another one I've employed uh, recently. It's still we're still testing it out, but I need to come up with a different name because one of the classes uses this. But I'm calling them maneuvers. And basically, in combat, if a character wants to, and there's a similar thing in the DMG. It's kind of what inspired me. But if you want to like attack and do something flourishy, like a halfling sliding under the enemy's feet, or jumping onto a monster and doing something heroic you can use your action and your bonus action to do something that the rules might not exactly say you can do but you're spending all your effort and being a hero um and so that's something that uh the players have have liked a lot so far and it hasn't really like hasn't unbalanced the game it's not game breaking but you're you're bending the rules a little bit for the the players to do cool things yeah. With the rule of cool. Any other ones? God, it's so hard to even, like, tell. It's hard the, to think about in the moment, for right, sure. Right, like, what's even homebrew? Homebrew is anything that's not officially a rule in the in the book. So anything where even if you're changing something or like, for instance, if you're using Oathbreaker, um, since it's an optional rule, that's considered homebrew. Just if you're using it, you're, that's a rule you use at your table, basically. Um, one thing I want to start doing more, we've just kind of, I called this in the moment, but it inspired me, um, is player combos. So having two players use their actions and their resources for the round to do something cool, kind of like uh, what you find in Chrono Trigger. Right, the duels and the, the triples. <clears throat> yeah, so you can start work, you know, um, encourage the players to work as a team and do things together that they couldn't otherwise do separately, I think is a fun idea. And I don't have it worked out, um, but I think that would be super fun yeah, as well. I like that. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good place to stop today. Unless you have anything, any, any other thoughts, words? Mm, honestly, the only thing I'm thinking is, uh, you need to go back to sleep, Ian. <laughs> Ian needs more sleep and less drink. That's what yep. Ian needs. Absolutely. So, all how right. About you, how about you close us out? I close this out. I don't. Well, I'll I'll say some words and then we'll we'll have you do the tag. How's that? Sure. <laughs> um, again, all of this is just our musings, and we're we're giving you tools that you can use or not. So the way, especially with homebrew, like if you're just starting out, you may not even know. That may seem overwhelming. You're like, I don't even know the rules, you know, really well. It, it really comes back down to roll your sleeves up and, and play, you know, and and you'll start to be like, ooh, I really don't like that thing. 
So I'm going to change it to suit my needs. And you might be like, ooh, I see why they made that rule that way. So I'm going to go back to the way they were doing it because I messed it up. So it all depends on uh, your experiences. So go out and uh, go out and play, dear listeners. Go out and play. Go out and play and stay sweaty. That's right. This has been a Polymuse Creative Production. Music was provided by Jerry Stinquist. To check his music out, go to soundcloud.com forward slash Jerry Stinquist. Until next time, roll high and take a point of inspiration. Like, share, subscribe!